Welcome to The Rant. I'm your host, Herman James, and on today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you about how to create a welcoming work environment. This part of the podcast is brought to you by Libsyn. Are you looking to start a podcast or want to know where to move your podcast to to get the best possible outcome? Libsyn is the top-rated host for your podcast. Use promo code HERMAN for your first month free. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing and thank you for everything you're doing to help the rant grow. As always, the numbers are getting higher uh, a little bit less this week than last week. I'm going to blame it on the Super Bowl because we all had to sit there and watch the Niners get their just desserts. And if you're a Niners fan, that's sad, but we can't all be perfect. So, On today's episode, as the intro stated, we're going to be talking about how to create a welcoming workspace or work environment. And the idea about that is more how you can turn the environment you're already in into a welcoming one for you, which in turn will turn into welcoming for everybody else. And if it's a more of a hostile work environment, how you can better adapt to that and adjust so that you can make it better for yourself. Because most of us are going to be in an office or at work more than we're going to be at home. And we're going to be with people that we like a lot or hate a lot more than we will be with our own family. And that's just the way the world works, at least here in the States. Now, as you can see behind me, the green screen, a little more smoothed out for us today. Uh, Got the logo in full effect. We'll get some... New things popping up over here and over here. and I'm still trying to remember the orientation of my hands. Not much new has happened with uh, the green screening and the OBS as well as hit film. But as you saw on the last episode, the hit film platform, I guess you want me to call it, or software is fantastic. It's really easy to use. And again, it's free. It's wonderful. You're able to do everything from... The low HD to high HD, it's got its own setup for all of the YouTube channels you're going to do things on. It's really great. I like it. I've actually used it to do presets. So I'm able to kind of plug and play my own uh, music and the videos and the intros, the outros. All that can be plug and play when it comes to the music. I have learned uh, a little bit more about what I need to do for me and for the show. And that means more of uh, the truncation of the music for the outros and for the rants to have them set as a one set frame versus very short or very long and have them at that point. So the video portion of this becomes a very easy process for me to do. So I'm working on that. I'm learning with that. And if you have checked out the social media platforms we're on again, That's going to be the, which side am I pointing at? This side. That is going to be Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And that is going to show you everywhere that we're doing everything on. It's also going to show you the items that I've purchased already, like our second camera to have any of our in-house guests on there as well, so that there's going to be enough a video to go around, whether it's going to be two of us on the green screen or if I'm going to have to put 
then I'm kind of like a picture and picture up here, which is a possibility. I would like to see if we can guess both in front of a green screen as a guest, kind of looking at the camera. Not sure how well it's going to work out yet, but we'll figure it out. And if it's uh, the limitation being the green screen size, well, I'll get a bigger one. We'll, we'll go that way. And that's just what it'll have to be. Um, other than that, like I said, there's not been much deviation to what we've been going on with the green screen, kind of that mentality for it. It's been fun. It's been educational, just like it has been for starting a podcast. The idea of how to get everything done and working out everything is a little bit more time consuming than you naturally think it's going to be, but I'm doing it quickly and we're learning and I'm having a good time for it. I do appreciate the interaction we've had with everyone on Twitter as well as Instagram had a bit of a hit for it. I did have a few messages sent on YouTube. So those of you that have asked questions, figured out what we're doing on here, I appreciate the interactions. It's been uh, fun talking to you. Keep them coming. Let's uh, go for some more on that. We are also put on Reddit. I believe Reddit's handle is Herman's Rant, but I'll have it right here. And knowing me, I'm probably wrong with that. That's probably the rant with Herman James. Um, Forgive me because I... Just, I'm all over the place with this, and I apologize for that. But back to this particular episode. Uh, as for this episode, we don't have any particular sponsor for beer today, so we're drinking, uh, truly, yeah, yeah, look at that, a little green screen kind of cut through. And, uh, hate all you want to hate. It's fine, I don't I don't care. I drink uh, Corona any year for the most part, and this is going to be an uh, equal caloric intake for my fat ass, so we're okay with it. Now, back to the episode at hand. There are a few different facets that I consider when it comes to how to create a welcoming workspace or work environment. And a lot of it's going to come down to choice. And that choice is really your choice of the job you pick. Um, Call it a job, call it a career, call it whatever you want to call it. Where you go every day to make money. Whether you're planning on being there for a long time or a short time, that all depends on you. I understand that sometimes you get fired, so it doesn't really depend on you. But it also depends on what your motivations are. Like our last episode talked about how to add more value to you to see what you really want to do out of it. So at the job you have chosen to work at, it's going to have a little bit of criteria that you look for initially to get the job. A lot of people are looking at the pay scale, so compensations. You're also looking at location. Are you okay to commute very far? Are you trying to commute very little? Are you trying to work from home? That's going to be a huge aspect of it. So those things are what you really control about it, whatever field it is. It's really up to you on that point. Now, the things that you really can't control are going to be the coworkers, the actual in-office environment. You don't control whether you're by a window, you have an office versus a cubicle, a shared desk, and all that. So those items in themselves are going to be something you can't control, but you can't control your mentality on them. So let's start off with the environment in which you're going to work. So this is going to start off with the location. Did you choose a part of the 
city where you live in that's easily accessible to you? Did you pick a location that's so far out of the city you're taking trains or buses or it is taking you hours a day each direction to get to work? Because that's draining on everything. I fucking hate commuting. I commute every day. My commute is 13 miles one way. Seems like a very minimal commute. Not that big of a deal for the majority of people until you realize it takes me 45 minutes to an hour every day, each direction. That's mind numbing. Hence previous episodes, why I built those electric bikes. Those get me to and from work in the hotter, not 110 degree heat, but hotter months where I'm not getting up and it's 32 degrees outside. I can take a bike path and make it to work in the exact same amount of time. And I'm outside, I'm not wasting gas, I'm not sitting in traffic, I'm enjoying the environment, changes your mind space, changes the way you're viewing things and how that's going to work out for you. Now, if you work from home, that idea to me sounds fantastic, except as I've said before in previous episodes, when you work from home, you also feel that you're trapped at home because you're there all day and then the rest of the evening. You're there with your family, with your roommates, whomever it might be. You're also there for dinner and the rest of the evening. People come over. It's basically live in cage for you. Now you've chosen this option, but when you have a office to go to every day or somewhere to be, if it's sales, you commute a lot, which can also be mind numbing. If it's outside sales or marketing, that's also a pain in the ass. But at least you're out of the house and then your home is your sanctuary. You come in, you kick off your shoes, you take off your bra and you hang out. If you guys were in brawls, was it bros? I think it's bros. Seinfeld. And um, you're able to kind of have that sanctuary and relaxation for you. If you're like me and you work from home part time or you do what you do, you have an office or a studio somewhere that you work that is separate from everywhere else that you don't spend a majority of your time in when you're not at work, when you're not doing your job or whatever it is that you do. That is something that is deviating from the normal life, normal aspect of things, which is always a huge, huge plus. So if you work from home, try to set that up, that your office or whatever it is you're using as an office is just for work. Don't go back to that on other parts of the day. Don't set things in there on your desk or whatever you're using as a desk for household things. Don't set your groceries on there, your bills, anything on there. Leave it specifically for work. Have a separation of you know what you do. That will help you a little bit on that. Now, the environment is also going to be the interactions you have at work. Now, that can be with your coworkers, whether you like them or not. I know a ton of people enjoy a majority of everyone they work with, but there's at least one person that everyone hates. And it's usually not the one person hates one person. Usually one person's hated by everybody, but that one person has another one person that they're friends with, but everyone likes that one, but doesn't like the other one, but you can't tell that one that you don't like that one. It's it's a fun fucking work dynamic. I hate fucking office politics. They fucking annoy me. Things you should and shouldn't say, could and couldn't do horse shit. 
because inevitably someone's going to not say something or say something that everyone else was thinking about doing or not doing, and they're going to get a raise above you or promotion around you or something that you wanted to do, but because you played the office game the way you thought it was supposed to be done and someone broke that rule and got advanced, you got fucked. I hate office politics. Then you hate that coworker too because that coworker is a piece of shit. That coworker did whatever. That coworker fucked the boss. I really don't know, but everyone thinks they fucked the boss. And that's just another environment set up that is just detrimental to everybody. So when it comes to the coworkers, you got to read them. You got to take your first few days or weeks, however long it takes you to read people and watch and see what's going to happen before you interject yourself into that situation. Sometimes it takes no time at all. You can come right into the office, right into whatever work environment you're in, and you can see that these three people are always hanging out together. These two people are together. That guy over there is always by himself. No one's talking to him. That's weird. Find out why. And... You can see who's gaming who, who's working the system, who's doing all the work and who's doing none of the work and who's doing all the work in that group of three people compared to everyone else and who's advancing higher in that group. You can learn office dynamics by just sitting back and watching people, or you can learn them by who's going to come up and talk to you and tell you things. The first person that comes up to you to talk to you and tell you shit about other people is probably the person people don't like because they're trying to get you on their side. Yeah, I'm pointing to me. Because they want to make sure that you're going to be on their team because no one else is. Speaking out of law of large numbers, there could be a deviation to that. There could be the nice person in there trying to give you the workups before you say the wrong thing. But more times than not, that's not the way it works. Now, on top of the coworkers, there's customers. Without a business that needs customers, there's no reason for you to be there. Now, you might call them clients or whatever you want to call them, members or pimps or I guess that'd be your boss. I don't, I don't know what the terminology on this because isn't it John the one that's like the hooker or is it John the one that's buying? I don't know. If you know, you can, you can comment below or send me an email at uh, the rant with Herman James at Gmail or on any of the uh, platforms we're on. Uh, that this episode's upload on. Anyway, the customers that you're dealing with can also make you super happy or super annoyed. I've spent a lot of time in hospitality, working in restaurants, behind bars and country clubs and everything in between. I had great, great customers that came in that had a wonderful time, super grateful and super wonderful to talk to and did well. And I've had people that came in that are complete fucking assholes that treat you like shit, that talk down to you, that just want to nitpick everything and lie about everything. And then you're paid to be nice and upbeat and bubbly. Well, fuck that, fuck them, fuck that situation. Because of that, I learned how to say, go fuck yourself very nicely and do things and say things to people that they aren't sure if I'm being mean or being nice or if they heard the right thing, but they questioned it. And I would hope that later on when they went home, they realized they're being an asshole. So I was able to be an asshole back and they weren't smart enough to catch me in my game. You can't do that with everything. You can't do that with everywhere. And not everyone can be as sly or coy as that, as I was when it came to doing that. And I understand that. So 
there's a way of having to deal with customers and deal with bad customers in a way that's going to keep you in a positive mood. Now, a lot of the time you go to work and you need to vent about things. And the only things you can vent about are things you're at work with. And the only people you really want to vent to them about are people are at work with you because your significant other or your friends don't work with you or don't work in the same environment or same field. So they don't understand the exact same things. Now that's fine. And it's healthy. You actually need to get it out. So it's not going to sit and fester and become some obnoxious bullshit migraine in your head. But the flip side of that is everything you say to someone is eventually going to come back to you. Now, it could come back to you in a good way or the bad way. And unfortunately, I think a majority is going to be the latter. It's going to be the bad way. But you can build friendships on that. You can build work relationships and work husbands and work wives off of it because everyone has the same mentality. Now, the moment someone gets in trouble, if they're a little bitch, they're going to narc on you and throw you under the bus a lot. They don't get written up or fired or reprimanded. And if someone's already in a bad position, they're going to do that again to deflect off of them. On the flip side, if that one person no one likes and the one friend of theirs hear about it through whatever, whatever, now you've got more office conflict. Because you're just venting about a situation that they take offensive, but you're talking shit. Even though you're not. You're just simply stating a fact of what happened for the day. Now you have to deal with all of that. You've got to deal with them. And it's it's a mind fuck in every way. And it's just, it's unfortunate. So you have to pick and choose the people you're going to work with. Because what you say to them is going to either make your work life better or worse. If you don't care... Go to town. Do you, honey boo-boo child. God, that was an ugly child. Fucking weird idea about that too. Like whose mentality of putting children in beauty pageants and dressing them up like young adults? It's like fucking midgets with the IQ of a five-year-old. Who needs that? Who wants that? The creepos out there are doing that. And I know midgets derogatory. My bad. It just, that mentality, it, it, yeah, I digress. So now, the environment you're in is going to create all of the everyday to day aspects that you're going to deal with. You control how that works out by who you deal with, how you deal with them, the people that call in. And if you work in an environment where you deal with people face to face, it's going to be how you deal with those interactions. People are coming angry at you all the time. Are you going to flare back at them? Are you just going to stand there and not say anything? Have a blank staring face? Or are you going to actually interact and try to stop people that are going to be angry at you, yelling at you, or demeaning you? Those are choices you have to make. I use a lot of the affirmatives. Like, I understand how you can feel that way. I do that too. I'm trying to get on their level and make a sort of similarity between us and have an understanding that, yeah, I understand you're going through that. I've been that way too. I understand the feelings you're having because X, Y, and Z. However, and then you bring it back and you bring it back to your original point, whether it is they can't rent that car. We don't have that uh, stake in the house. Uh, this isn't going to be a fit within our company. You're not a fit within our program, whatever it might be. 
having a way of bridging the gap between you and them and making them feel like you're on their side or you've been in their situation to understand things. However, still getting your point across. That's where that comes in. And that is something that's always helped me have more of a positive interaction when it comes to customers. And honestly, I've never had a job where I have hated my job because of the customers. If that were the fact, I would hate my job and get a new job because the customers are the reason I'm there. They're basically the ones that are going to be paying the company, which is going to pay me. When it came to hospitality, they're paying me directly cash. Those were my bosses. Essentially, I was a performer and they were paying me for my performance. That's how I saw that. Working in different industries where that's not the case, they're still going to be my customers because I want to retain everything, not customers, but boss. I want to retain them because it's easier to keep customers and build onto that and gain new ones than it is to always chase new customers time after time after time again. Think about if a store had to always get new customers. Even if people lived in the area, but none of them came back. So you had to get more people out of the area, out of the area, commuting in. That's a bitch. If there was a limit, you could only shop once a month. That's a bitch. Having new customers, a lot more work, not worth it. So that's the idea when it comes to being able to deal with customers. Treat that the same with your coworkers. If you're having issues with them, again, let them talk with you about it. Let them vent with you about how it's happening. Always confront issues head on. If you hear rumors that someone thinks you think negative of them and vice versa, confront that not in a confronting, conflicting manner, but in a manner of, Hey, I heard this, or I feel this was said about this, but let's clear this up because I don't feel, or I feel that boom. And then put it out there, explain to them why something was said or heard or why you feel someone thought you said something wasn't the way it was. Like you said, oh, today sucks. I've got to deal with so-and-so now. Now, it doesn't mean you don't like Tiffany and it, today sucks because it's Tiffany. Today sucks because your wife had to go into the doctor and now you got to go deal with Tiffany and you're not mentally ready to go deal with a coworker. That's how you have to explain things and go that way forward. So make sure you're very explicit on what you mean. That way, the work environment you go into is always pleasant. You don't say bad things about other people that you're working with two other people. Even if you fucking hate everyone, all of them, they can all think it as long as you don't say it. And you treat them kindly to their face. They got nothing. They just assume you mean bad, even though you've never said anything bad that they know of. That's the key. As long as they don't know about it. So now, let's go with the coworkers. The coworkers themselves. The animosity comes in with this when the coworkers and you have different mentalities, different aspects of how you talk, your mannerisms, your feelings on the world, whatever it might be. I've always felt that it is a good place to leave your shit at the door. Personal life stops at the door. Now, I've been told this a lot too, and people disagree with my view on this, and that's fine. You can absolutely disagree with that view, and that is your right. However, when you leave your personal shit at the door and you only deal with work shit, 
it tends to make things a little bit better. Now, picking and choosing whom you decide to bring into your personal life, that's up to you. And that's perfectly fine. You do that. But don't be that person that comes into work and then just unloads about your life to everyone and anyone that walks by. A majority of people don't give a fuck at all. No one cares. But some people want to quiet you down or make you feel better. And then that becomes their job. No one wants that. I don't want that. Do you want that? I don't, I don't think you want that. If you do, you should be a psychologist or a shrinker. Do you. If you want to analyze people and help them get better and not get paid for it, you're crazy. But get paid for it, go to school, get a degree, get a couch, have a blast. Now, the reason that people feel that the coworkers are also going to have an issue with them, and I, sorry guys, I keep looking, I've got over here is the OBS, over here is going to be the audacity, so I, I'm making sure I get visualization on both. Still look at you here, I got a little uh, arrow up here to watch it, and I've got my show notes actually taped up on the screen, so we're good. Uh, anyway, so the majority of reasons why people don't like their coworkers are because they don't feel that the coworkers are chipping in as much as they are, or they're being compensated better than they are, or they're getting more privileges allocated to them than they are. So, if the workload's not spread equally and you feel you're doing more work than everyone else around you or the people on your team, that needs to be addressed. You need to figure out exactly what it is that's being performed, what needs to be done, and what's your work load. Is it your work responsibility to do everyone's work? Or is it your responsibility to do X amount of work or just this boss's work or just this department's work? That needs to be found out, and then you want to clarify that with your supervisor. If you are the supervisor, and you have other supervisors around you, you guys have to have a manager somewhere, right? Like, someone's got to be running the show. If not, fucking wing it then. You do you. If there's no repercussions for doing higher or lower workloads, or changing up the workload, you do you. If they're not going to rein you in or change regulations and you're still getting paid well doing your job and not fucking sloughing off onto other people, that pisses me off. You do you. Now, if you're doing everyone else's work and the other coworkers or your teammates or whatever it is you're called, a uh, cohort, then you need to find out what's going on. Why are the other team members, other cohort members, whatever it is, not doing their share? Is the corporate manager aware of this? Whomever is your next level higher up than you that's in charge of the whole setup, are they aware of what's going on? Are they making excuses for what's going on? That happens all the time too because that makes them look bad. The manager does not want to have their managerial and management skills questioned. Their authority questioned because that digs directly at them, at their abilities or lack thereof, and their choices of whom they have hired to do the positions for or do the work in the positions that they're at. And so if that's the case, if you do have an unfair workload and you've addressed it with the management supervisor, whomever it might be, once, twice, three times, 
keep the dates on when you do this. Then you got to go above them or through them or around them. How you need to do it? Go to HR, go to their boss. Figure out the best way of doing this because all that's going to happen is you're the workhorse now. You're going to do all the work. Everyone else that sloughed their work on you and is getting away doing nothing and getting paid at least equal to what you're doing, no repercussions for them. And your manager, well, what do you want me to tell you? The work's getting done. Everything's working great. I don't understand the problem is, I mean, I guess Tiffany has a problem with Stephanie, but that's just their own individual thing. They'll work it out. Until then, the work's getting done. But not by either of them. Joseph's doing the work. So that's what you have to work out because if the work's getting done, no matter what the result is, personally to you or to anybody else, your own mentality, work's done. Work's getting done. Your manager looks good. And a corporate, everything's a win-win. But it's not. So address that with whom you have to address it. And if they're not going to take responsibility for it or help you fix it, then go around them. Go through them. Because you have to be there every day. You have to do all that work. You have to work with those individuals. Your boss doesn't. Your boss doesn't give a fuck. As long as the work gets done and your boss is out playing golf or doing whatever the fuck your boss does, they're happy. They get paid. Probably bonused. And they're making more than you. So do what you need to do to get that workload shared out well. Or step your production down a notch. If you're not going to get reprimanded for doing less like everybody else, do less. And then when they start questioning why it's not getting done, you say, I don't know. Uh, are you able to inventory the amount of work that people are doing? Because you'll see that they haven't been doing theirs for a very long time. So there you go when it comes to that. Now, when it comes to pay itself compensation, there's not much you can do about that. There is literally not a damn thing you can do. So if they started before you and they make more than you, take it that they got hired at a higher rate or maybe they have a better degree or maybe they've been working there longer so that they were able to go up that ladder a little bit more than you were able to at your current situation, regardless of your workload. If they got hired after you and they're making more than you, new hires get more money. That's just the way it is. That's why Forbes always says to change your job every two years. That's why company retention for employees is down and there's just, that's the way it is. Uh, I don't always agree with changing jobs every two years and learning new things and new people. It's a bitch. But hey, fuck it. If you have to switch your job every two years and in the next six years, you could make an extra $30,000 more than you would if you were staying there. That's worth it. Especially if you're doing the exact same job you would be doing anyway, but at a different location or from home. Why not? You might have to learn new people. Yeah. And new systems, whatever it might be. Okay, fine. But you're doing the same field of work. So you're paid a lot more for the same work, new money. And I mean, that's going to be why it's going to happen. People are just going to be afraid of it. Now, if it is something uh, more in terms of upward mobility, is it because the coworkers are new and they're moving faster? Are they doing less and moving up higher? Are you stuck in the position 
and they're giving you the same bullshit of you're too valuable in your position to be able to be moved from that, address that quickly. If you're sitting at the same position you've been at for the past five years and three people have been hired after you with less experience and have been fucking up their higher paying jobs and higher titles than you are, I'd address that. And I'd also be looking for a new job because at that point, they're not going to do anything for you. They're not going to consider to move you out of it. They're not going to consider to move you up. They have proven to you they're not doing it. They're hiring people all the time. They haven't even talked to you about it. Or maybe they tell you to apply just so you can't sue them and say that they didn't give you a chance. As an EEO, equal, or is it EOE, equal opportunity employer. Yeah, stupid, but it's true. If they have tried things like children to test you and push you and you haven't caved or left, they're going to keep doing it. And they're going to always keep doing it. So that's where I go with for the coworkers, the mentality of the coworkers and how you should address the coworkers, but it's also how you should address the environment that the coworkers present to you. I think those are really good facets of how to go for it, but I've got some more in just a minute. All right, so far we've talked about the environment in which you go into work at or if you work at home, as well as your coworkers. Now, let's talk about the job itself specifically and the compensation. We'll get to uh, my favorite part of this in a moment. But the job itself. So you pick the job that you want to work for, the company you want to work for, and the job you want to work and do uh, perform. You picked the scale of pay that was okay with you when you had negotiations for wages and you started working. Now, you've been at this job for X amount of time. And if you don't work in a structured raise platform, as in uh, like teachers, uh, every few years, every, you know, uh, continued education credits they get, they are laddered up no matter what, every time. So that's nice to be able to have, you know, exactly when to expect raises and how to get more out of it. And that's nice. A lot of jobs don't have that. Salary jobs, typically, you're lucky to get a raise. You're stuck at the same income you are for a long time. And that sucks. Because now you have to find out how you can get ahead or how you can get whatever you can do to get more money. And it's not always easy. But that's something you need to find out before you get into the position. If there is no tiered promotion or tiered raise system... You want to know before you get into it, what is the ability to make more money? How do I get a raise? How can I move up in the company? Is there inward, upward mobility? Or look on Glassdoor. Find out if a majority of the time they hire from outside the company. If they're going to always hire someone outside of the company instead of promoting from within, know that before you get into the position. And also look at the company itself. Is it a larger corporation that has a job board that's going to list new jobs that are open internally before they're open to the general public. If it is, apply for those jobs. If you think you have a chance at them, apply for them. Reach out to HR directly. Reach out to the head of the department and make a personal introduction to that person. That makes a lot more of a welcoming and a higher possibility that you're going to be able 
to get that position. And if not, if you know the HR well enough and you start learning who they are, they can let you know when they're getting things in their system before they list them. It's not uncommon to have happen. I don't know if it's against corporate policy to let them tell you so you know about it, but why not try? Why not check it out and see what you can do? Now, you also want to make sure that you're not burning yourself out in the position you're at. Now, maybe it is a position that requires a lot of hours at certain times. Okay, that's understandable. Do that. But also do something for you. Get out midday if you're working in an office. Get out somewhere. Get outside. Honestly, just get the fuck out. You need to have, like, sun hitting you. The UVs and getting all the happiness light in your fucking brain. It is going to make you feel like a better person. Get up and away from your goddamn desk and the chairs. Even the stupid stand-up desks. That sounds great, right? Until you realize standing in one position all the time is not good for you. It can actually be worse for you. Stupid, but it's true. So you want to make sure that you have a good work-to-life ratio. Easier said than done. Absolutely easier said than done. If you're able to take breaks and enjoy yourself at work, do that. Go have fun at work. Do what you need to do at work. Get out of the office for lunch. Don't sit at your desk. Don't sit in your cubicle. Don't sit in your office. If there's a break room in your office, go to that. Eat outside. Go somewhere else. Don't stay in that same area. Don't work through your lunch. Take the fucking break. Break up the monotony. Absolutely break it up. Do not sit there. Do not work through things because that's going to burn you out. Now, if you're like me and you're a workaholic, it doesn't matter. You're going to do what the fuck you want to do anyway. Fine. But, no, inevitably, it will burn you out. It might not be as fast as people say, but inevitably, inevitably, you will get burned out. So, take that advice and do as you may with it. But remember, that work-to-life ratio is something that's very important because if you have someone at home, they don't want you working all the time. And if you have someone at work that you're dating or you're married to and all you guys do is talk about work all the time, you two are got to be fucking mind-numbing to be around when it comes to your friends because that's annoying as shit. Get a hobby. Break it up. Do something that's going to make it fun for everybody and figure out exactly how you have to do that so that you're not constantly at work in your brain and doing things that are going to burn you out and make sure that you're able to distribute your work accordingly so that you're not front loading all this fucking work and then you have nothing to do but you have to sit in an office because you're a salary employee that's to sit there all fucking week. You have to sit at your desk and twiddle your goddamn thumbs and they make you do more work. Or the stupid-ass phrase from restaurants. Got time to lean, you got time to clean. Fuck you. No one's cleaning dishes or fucking counters. Fucking servers and bartenders want nothing to do with that. They'll pretend they're doing shit before they wipe shit down in a kitchen where you have a fucking janitor who comes in every goddamn day. So, the job itself, again... Find out potential raises and salary increases, promotions, title changes, increases, 
from a regular to a senior staff member, whatever it is within there. That is uh, a key to know before you get into it. And while you're there, find out exactly how you can work it when you're inside the system to make it better for you. Now, into that comes the compensation. So compensation, if you're a scheduled, tiered up, raised salary, staffer, whatever it might be, then there's not much you can do about that. But there are other things you can look at. Can you make it go faster? Teachers can always jump levels if they get a different degree, certificate, or continue education. They can hit that scale higher quicker. Now, they do eventually top out. For those of you that can't see me because you're on the earbuds, I am just making an ass of myself in the video. But if you're looking to do that and top out in your salary sooner and you're able to, why not do that? It's a plausibility to do, and it doesn't matter if it takes you 10 years or two years, no matter what, if you're going to top out at the same amount, regardless, there's no inflation that's going to come with that. Why not? Why not put the time up front to do it before you have a larger family or other things that are going to come up for them? Now, compensation also comes in PTO for other companies. So if you're with a company for the first year, or two, or three, or five, whatever it might be, you get, let's say, two weeks paid vacation off. But after there for five years, you get five weeks paid time off. And two years after that, you, five weeks, five years after that, you're going to get another two weeks PTO and accrues that way and that way for you. PTO is invaluable. Because it's paid time off. You don't have to be at work for things. Now, if it's a job like I've had, where when you go away and you come back, your workload is mind-numbing and you dread coming back to work, I'm sorry. That sucks. It fucking does. That means your job didn't distribute anything you had between anybody else, or they're so fucking lazy they waited for you to come back and left everything on your desk. Like a bunch of fucking assholes and fucking idiots they are. So, if that happens, I'm sorry. But at least you know that you're getting more PTO at the end of it. And some companies allow you to cash it out. Now, if you have to use it or lose it, that can suck until you realize, fuck it, I'm taking this massive chunk of time and I'm going to use it all right now. Sucks to be you guys. And they'll deal with it. They'll figure it out. It also helps if you're able to cash it out, like I said, and get paid for it for a daily rate of what you have for that day. That's fantastic. It's like a cash advance for work you've already accrued, for time you've already worked, and now you're getting paid for it to do whatever you want with it. It is fantastic. Teachers don't have this option because they have their sub days that they have, but they don't also get a paid retirement. So all those days accrued for them are going to be added on to the end in a big paycheck to get them out when they do retire. That's fucking ridiculous. And that system needs to be changed because they're educating everybody and they're paid the least and they're treated fucking horribly. They should be paid more. They should be paying into a retirement. They should have paid time off, paid sick leave and paid maternity and paternity leave. They don't have that. Whereas other companies, you get all that. You don't have to take your own PTO for maternity or paternity leave. You get that in addition to 
You also get the paid company holidays off. These are all things as valuable as they are. People overlook them all the time. If you can have a minimum of two work weeks off a year on top of paid federal or company holidays, that is fucking awesome. You have to agree with that. I worked in restaurants where you had no time off. You didn't show up to work. You didn't get paid. So you wanted to work as much as you possibly can. Imagine that. Go to work every day. Get paid. Don't go to work. Don't get paid. A lot of us still have those jobs, still work in those industries. It's a bitch. And to make the transition from that to corporate world was hard. It was difficult. It took weeks for me to acclimate to be able to do that. Now I'm in this world and I can't imagine going back. I do miss the cash the day of instead of having to wait two weeks to get paid. But I have a bigger benefit of I get guaranteed money every two weeks. I also get paid time off. I have set hours. I don't get called off. Yeah, I remember that to get called off of work. Because it was slow. It might be slow, but I still have fucking rent due. I still have bills to pay. I shit, I've got shit I gotta do. So there are pluses and minuses to everything. But that's that's kind of where I see for that. So now, for compensation, let's go to the actual pay portion of it. Again, this goes back to finding out what you're going to get paid initially. Market value for what everyone else is making at that job in that area, because different areas get paid different. People in San Francisco and LA and New York are going to make different than people in Iowa and Kansas or Ohio. So you can't say that you're making X, Y, or Z for this. You need to look in your location and find out what people are making in your area. My favorite thing to see on social media in the past few months is I'm not broke. I'm just Cali broke, which is like being Oklahoma rich, which is true. Because a house in Oklahoma costs a fraction of what I paid for my house, and they are massive and brand new. Fuck. I'll take Cali money and live in Oklahoma. It'd be fantastic. So the pay is what you're looking at. Is it what you thought it was going to be? Is it something where they have paid you enough money where it's more than other places, but it's going to now keep you there because you're making less than other places, but not enough to be able to move? And no one wants to try to beat that price. That could suck. But that again comes into looking for a new job every two years and seeing how the compensation can be skewed. So if they're not going to increase your pay, but you have a job where you'd be able to do your job from home, why not see if you can work from home? By working from home a few days a week or permanently, That saves you in wear and tear in your vehicle as well as gasoline, which is a significant deviation in your income. If you're spending an average of $100 a month in gas, you just got a $1,200 raise for working from home. That's a pretty good raise. That's not counting in the oil changes, the wear and tear, the tires, all of that. That would go into that. That's just gasoline. Now, let's say you're only doing that for half the year. That's still $600 that you're saving. It's pretty cool. Let's not also forget about the mental 
wear and tear of sitting in traffic and commuting and fucking screaming at people and honking the horn because people are fucking idiots and they're texting while they're fucking driving and not being able to fucking function and chew fucking gum and walk. <sighs> it annoys me because I'm able to do all of that. I can text and drive. Yeah, I know it's fucking illegal. Don't fucking leave comments about this shit about that. I understand that. We're all doing it. Even cops are fucking texting and fucking driving as they're doing their goddamn things. So, yeah. But it's the people that just can't fucking function with it and tap their brakes every fucking few seconds. There's no one around them to tap the brakes because they're texting and they're freaking the fuck out when they look up. It's fucking stupid. So, being able to work out a way to get compensated better. Again, adding PTO, work from home, or finding out if Again, adding value to you, the company would pay for you or reimburse you to get a better education, a new certificate, a new license, a new whatever on their dime to make you more valuable, to make you more marketable as well. I always tell people work for titles. Don't do things for free. If you're going to be working and doing accounting, you want to be an accounting assistant or manager or something if that's not your job but they're asking you to do more of it so you can put on your resume you can market yourself out to other sources or you can market yourself internally in the company and move up that way maybe there is an opening in accounting they want experience not only do you have experience that you have experience in their accounting no you weren't an accounting uh team member you're not an accountant but you don't have to be retrained valuable to the company you can Make a lateral move in the company and make more money. Or work from home again. As you can see, I love the idea of working from home. So that's where you're looking at the compensation, the upward mobility, the inward transferability, the adding value to yourself and being able to do all of that. Those are huge things that are going to be outwardly beneficial and inwardly beneficial if you're able to get new certificates or degrees or licenses or whatever else it is that you could add the alphabet soup to the end of your name. Now, there's one determining factor that can change all of this, blockade all of this, instigate all of this, or negate all of it if you don't want to do any of it because it's a great factor. The boss. The fucking assholes that typically control your schedule, your shift, your pay, the distribution of responsibilities, and are the ones that can either recommend you or hold you back from a promotion and potentially ruin you in the industry. If you're in an incestuous industry, teaching again is one of them, then a principal, a superior superintendent can really fuck up your ability to be transferable to other locations. They can tell the other individuals what it is that they know about you. I understand that law states you can't badmouth your ex-employees all that shit but let's be honest here they're gonna do that shit anyway unless you can prove they've done it you can't sue them for it if you can prove it you can sue them and then you can live at home because you'd own them motherfuckers depending how big the company is and how much they cost you and salary and pay but a lot of these bosses try to run the company via fear by saying you can't do this because of whatever I will do this to you if you don't do that I think my favorite thing I've heard is 
Do your fucking job or I'll make sure you can never fucking work in this industry ever again. Do you know who I am and how important I am in this industry? And you're not. So do it or you'll pay for it. The fuck? That's that's your fucking motivational speech? That is how you want to run things? Happens all the time. Now... This is the same kind of a boss or a supervisor that is going to be lazy as fuck when it comes to managing their staff and doing the right thing. This is going to be the individual that is not going to give a fuck if there is a dispute between coworkers and he's not going to care if the workload isn't distributed correctly because he's getting paid very well for you doing all the work and everyone else not. See, that's where it's coming from. Lead by fear. Fix nothing. Encourage fighting. Because fighting, that is just competitiveness. I love people being competitive. That's not being competitive, you fucking idiot. That's people hating each other, hating the job, and hating you. And inevitably, the company's going to suffer for it. Because if they are not happy at their job, if people are stressed out to go to work, they're not happy at work. Work productivity is going to decrease. Happy workplace has an increased productivity level. And when you have mandates on people of workload requirements, they're just going to hit that bare minimum. Just bare minimum. Why the fuck would they do more if there is no additional fucking benefit to doing it? It's the dumbest shit ever. And the idea of that goddamn carrot stick, fucking let me say that there's going to be something really well coming for you at the end of this quarter, year, whatever it is. Just keep doing what you're doing, and I want to compensate you for your loyalty and your greatness. And then never doing it? Oh. You lost an employee. You lost a good worker. You lost everything. Why? Because you fucked up. You offered something you weren't going to deliver on. No one's going to trust you again. And now because of that, You lost someone that's great for your company and someone that would be a benefit to you if you did the right thing. And you didn't. That's the boss. That's the piece of shit. That's the boss that's getting the new raise for everything that's getting done when his subordinates are getting nothing. That's the guy that comes with a brand new fucking high-end car and you're still driving a Hyundai. That's the guy that's taking every other fucking day off and declining your PTO requests. Why would you work for that guy? Never sit there and work for that guy. Fuck that guy. Corporately should fuck that guy. That guy is a reason why there needs to be legitimate complaint departments. Someone to listen to the actual coworkers who can say things. Not necessarily having to be a whistleblower, but things can be said. And there can be actions taken against that to help people against a bad boss who's a bad fucking boss. But people are too afraid to say anything because they tell the boss someone said something and that boss will know who it is. Then there's repercussions against that person. And bosses like that typically know how to fire someone without it being something like an HR nightmare on the back end when you go to the labor board. It's horseshit, but it happens. 
creating a good and welcoming work environment is not something that should have to be done by an employee or a coworker. This should be something that is already in place by a corporate setup or fucking management on site. This shouldn't have to be something that someone has to come into work and change their mentality about who they are. The work environment they walk into shouldn't make someone fucking depressed. They should be happy to come to work. They chose to work for you at this company because they wanted to. The money was good. The timing was right. Their location was everything for it. There was nothing bad about being at this particular job. But what was bad was when they got there. The fucking environment was horrible. The coworkers were shit. The upward mobility was non-existent. And the boss was a fucking tyrant. You have a situation where people now have to feel it is up to them to make their work environment better. They have to change their mentality because they can't change the company. When you have so much fucking turnover in your company and you can't retain people longer than two years, that's on the company. That comes from within. That has nothing to do with the people that are hired as new hires. That's everything to do with the model of the company and what's already in place. If you have fucking management sitting in there has not changed for years, but everyone underneath them has changed out consistently months after months after months, years after years. Why do you think that fucking is? Look at that company. Look at the glass door reviews on there. Yeah, there's going to be one or two out fucking landish, random ass fucking people who like this job way too much or hate the job way too much. But if there's a solid middle in there where everything's good, that means you had a good job. If every fucking review of that job is it's a piece of shit and everyone hates Mr. Thompson, fire Mr. Thompson. Get rid of the motherfucker. If Mr. Thompson owns the company, fuck. Figure your shit out. There's no reason any employee should feel disrespected, feel overworked, and undercompensated. If there are numerous people in any particular department or the same job, they should all have equal opportunities to advance or do the same fucking work. And if not, get rid of the motherfuckers that aren't. Because you can probably cut the fucking fat, save the company some fucking money, make the goddamn boss in it look even better, and promote the people doing all the fucking work. Because those people are the ones that are giving up their time with their family, their fucking free time for themselves, and sacrificing their lives for a company. For what? For nothing. To work harder and do more. Die younger because of stress and heart disease because they put everything they have into a company. And again, they're getting what out of it? A paycheck. Yeah, that's great. It's their job. Their job is not to die for the company. Their life should not be that company. Management and supervisors and high ups in the company that should be their fucking life that's what they should have to do subordinates and lower level people that have the monotonous jobs they should be able to fucking clock in and clock out and go home when the fucking fact that 
They leave on a Friday and all Saturday and Sunday they loathe coming back into work because it's stressful. They hate their fucking coworkers because they're all piece of shit and no one fucking does anything about it. It's a goddamn Lord of the Rings. That's on management. That's on the company. That's on the corporation. Stop fucking telling people that if you can't change the environment, if you can't change people around you, change your mentality. Fuck that. If you can't change them, change your fucking job. And if you can't get the right fucking people, shame on you, fucking shit corporations. Well, it looks like that's all the time I've got for this episode. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And as always, I want to thank you for sharing and commenting on social media as you do all the time. I do appreciate it. If you have any uh, questions, concerns, comments, whatever, put it in the comments below here on the YouTube. Send me a message on any of the social media platforms. That's going to be the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now Reddit as well. As well as send me a message and email at therand with Herman James at gmail.com. Check out thehermanjames.com for all of the previous episodes, as well as some of the behind the scenes content, as well as all of the stuff we're using here now. All the equipment we have on there. Don't forget to check out No Funny Podcast Network, the nofunnynetwork.com for all the best indie podcasts you can have out there. And I cannot wait to be in yours next time, guys.